Blog Talk Radio. His friends were the foreign students, the uh, structural feminists, uh, the Marxists, and, and that's pretty much the group of people I, I saw at that, that uh, pre-graduation party. Who cares about what a poor black man has to face every day in a country and a culture controlled by rich white people? My name is Barack Obama. Jesus was a poor black man who lived in a country and who lived in a culture that was controlled by rich white people. Shandu was throwing the money around. Obama was dressed in the nicest, slickest clothes. I, when I first met Obama and Shandu, I swear to you, I thought they were both gay and I thought they were both wealthy. Barack knows what it means to be a black man living in a country and a culture right. that is controlled by a big white Carnival Markers, settle in. The Situation Report with Doc Jones starts right now. Excellence in Broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. Single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time. Ten percent unemployment. No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative. Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy. Joe was misunderstood. So crack open a good book, sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr. President, the one we weren't waiting for. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another fun-filled hour, informative hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Uh, Today's date is July 17th, uh, here in beautiful Old Town Alexandria, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. And I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Southern Sense just sent me a message on the uh, chat room saying that I missed her uh, her show today. Oh man, I, 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 I don't know what uh, what happened. I totally, 
I spaced that one out. I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't know. I just can't keep up with, um, I couldn't, I didn't keep up with the, when the show was going to be on. I thought the show was going to be Friday. I don't know why I thought that. And I haven't been checking my messages. I've been, you know, a little bit busy with some uh, business deals. Speaking of business, uh, we're going to talk about business a little bit. And I do apologize, so then I will catch the uh, catch the show on uh, online uh, and uh, listen to it. I, I do. I am sorry I missed it because it's something that ties into uh, you know what I want to talk about um, you know tonight. Uh, well. Tonight's show, we're going to talk about if I wanted America to fail, the internet video sensation that ties into what Obama had to say uh, last week about uh, businesses not, um, you know, there's no self-made men anymore. You know, the DuPonts of the world, the Carnegie's, uh, the Westinghouse's, you know, those folks who, you know, work their asses off to uh, make the world you know, a much better place, and also, of course, uh, to make a buck, you know, a decent dollar. Yeah, I'm fine. I've just been busy. You know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things going on today. Uh, today's been a very busy day. I appreciate, uh, you know, the the kind words. Southern, Southern wants to know if I'm, you know, if I'm, uh, I'm, I'm okay because I sound tired. Yeah, I am. It's been a, it's been a very busy day today. Uh, but we're gonna, we're gonna jump right in here. I've got some espresso. Beautiful uh, triple vente white chocolate mocha here from Starbucks. Let's take a, a brief break and then we'll we'll get right into it. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report, and the call-in number is three four seven eight eight four eighty five hundred. If you're a business owner out there, or you aspire to own your own business, do call in and. Talk about your, uh, you know, your aspirations and whether or not Obama is right. You know, is he right? You know, you're not doing it on your own. When he wants more taxes from you, you should pay it because the business really isn't yours. You didn't start it. Somebody else did that. So pay up. Pony up those bucks. We'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report.
Prime time pops with excitement, start to finish, as callers argue passionately their point. Jermaine and Cool Mike host this sizzling two-hour cage match while keeping the show just this side of sanity. Dangling over the edge, Conservative Primetime is one of our most popular shows. You can listen, or, if you're brave enough, call in and make your point. If you think you can debate today's political discourse, call Conservative Primetime, weeknights at 1130 on the Wahoo Radio Network. Please join the hit squad of dynamic radio hosts on Internet Talk Radio. Starting at 8 p.m., listen to The Situation Report with Dr. C. Robert Jones of Gojo Media. Doc Jones is a retired Marine officer and holds a Ph.D. in history. Come check out his show weeknights from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. From there, stay on board with the 2020 Network, alternating between G-Ski Rocks and his show, Live and Direct, and David Graham of Stay Mad Radio, taking you to bedtime with wit and wisdom and class and clarity. Join this nightly tea party family and bring your friends Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. What to do, 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 do on Friday? Well, keep your internet radio routine with Tesla's great show, Socialism is Not an Option. The Roundtable Roundup Edition, where you can call in and vent your frustrations from the week. It's an open line discussion where other radio hosts and listeners call in and let us know what's on their mind every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. If you've been successful, you don't you didn't get there on your own. You, you didn't get there on your own. I, I'm always struck by people who think, well, it must be because I was just so smart. There are a lot of smart people out there. It must be because I worked harder than everybody else. Let me tell you something. There are a whole bunch of hardworking people out there. If you were successful, somebody along the line gave you some help. There was a great teacher somewhere in your life. Somebody helped to create this unbelievable American system that we had that allowed you to thrive. Somebody invested in roads and bridges. If you got a business, that you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Welcome back, folks, to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones, and the espresso is just kicking in. Listen, the President of the United States can say some really stupid things, really just plain old dumb. And that's what I thought. But now I think better of it. I think that he was just simply saying what he really felt, you know, his ideology. Uh, nobody gets anywhere on their own. Nobody does good on their own. Anything good that happens to you here in America, it's not because you were smarter, you were faster, you could build a better mousetrap. It wasn't because you had a stick to itness. It wasn't because you were a, um, say, uh, Thomas uh, Alva Edison, 
who went through approximately 14,000 different filaments to light his light bulb, he didn't – all that persistence, that, it was, that wasn't him. That was somebody else. The government was responsible for him, you know, working night after night after night after night to perfect uh, the the light bulb. It wasn't it wasn't him. According to President Obama, uh, this is uh, an article by John Holt. According to President Obama, his administration has been pro business. Indeed, one of the most pro business administrations ever according to Obama. Yet on Friday in Roanoke, Virginia, Obama admonished those opposed to higher taxes on business. You see, that's what this really is all about, folks. Higher taxes on business. And Obama seeks to justify my paying more taxes as a business owner by saying that, well, we helped you to start your business. Without the government, without our assistance, without the roads and the internet and all of those things, you wouldn't be in business today. Or at the very least, you wouldn't be as successful as you are. And you need to pay up for that. You need to pay more. Now, bear in mind that I'm one of those business owners who, like most small business owners, pays their taxes quarterly. Every quarter, I write a check to the government, and I'll go ahead and tell you how much I write that check for. I write a check to the government every quarter for approximately $19,000. Every quarter. That's how much I pay in taxes, every quarter. The president is asking me, Oh no, he's demanding. He's going to shame me into paying more. He's saying to me that that $19,000 that I pay in taxes every quarter is not enough. That I need to pony up more. So if Obama has his way and he gets more money from me in taxes, what I'm going to do is pack my stuff and go do business elsewhere. Out of Grand Cayman, out of St. Martin, which is an island I really do love a lot. I'll just leave, take my business elsewhere. Or I'll cut back. I'll cut back on people I hire. I'll cut back in some way where I make that money back. And then some. The president's not going to get his way here, and I suspect a lot of businesses will operate the same way because when it comes to cutting into my cut, the check I write myself, that's not going to happen. I'm not taking less money from my own business. Somebody else is going to have to pony up. If I'm going to have to pony up to the government for more money to support those people who pay no taxes at 49%, somebody's going to be minus a paycheck at the end of the day, and it's not going to be me. And a lot of businesses feel that way. What a slap in the face 
to all those Americans who build successful businesses. And then Obama wonders why businesses are afraid to invest when he uses such crappy rhetoric. Obama, during his presidency, regularly called Wall Street executives fat cats, bondholders, speculators, and accuses doctors of giving patients unnecessary and harmful surgeries like taking off feet and kidneys and tonsils and such for no reason. Even for liberal New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, Obama's attack have at times been too much. CNN's gay Anderson Cooper summarized, which, and I threw out the gay part about Anderson Cooper because, frankly, when Anderson Cooper came out and said he was gay, I, I was like a lot of folks. So, so what? Why do I give a damn? Frankly, he looks kind of gay. I may have suspected he is, but I don't really give a damn. So why even come out, Anderson? Nobody really cares. <sighs> Anderson Cooper's gay, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so what's for dinner? Nobody cares. All right, so Anderson Cooper, who just came out recently, summarized Obama's campaign so far. He went on to say, and I quote, basically the Obama campaign wants to paint Romney as this greedy, out-of-touch rich guy whose company, Bank Capital, closed factories and killed jobs just to make a quick buck. Some estimate that the budget cuts that will take effect for the military and other federal agencies is going to cost – Somewhere in the neighborhood of 2 million jobs come early next year. 2 million jobs. But don't let that stop Mr. Obama. Let's listen to another clip from this clown. James, thank you. President Obama is challenging the notion that people generally considered to have made it on their own really did it on their own without government help. White House correspondent Wendell Gohler looks at what the president is saying about the concept of individual success. Even as the president visited Ohio for the 24th time, a remark he made Friday in a speech in Roanoke, Virginia, continued to draw criticism. Somebody invested in roads and bridges. If you've got a business, that, you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. The Internet didn't get invented on its own. Government research created the Internet, so then all the companies could make money off the Internet. A Mitt Romney spokeswoman called Mr. Obama's comment, quote, insulting to the hardworking entrepreneurs, small business owners, and job creators who are the backbone of our economy. And Romney supporters say the comment shows a misunderstanding of the economy. I believe the president believes that it's government that creates the opportunity upon which people can seize. And that's not the way it works. Uh, our, our free markets are determined by the individual. Uh, making decisions for themselves. But aides say what Mr. Obama meant small business people didn't build are the roads, bridges, and Internet that connect us to them. A campaign spokesman said, quote, those are investments we make not as individuals, but as Americans, and our nation as a whole benefits from them. And the president also pointed to people we meet along the way who inspire us. Somebody along the line gave you some help. There was a great teacher somewhere in your life. 
somebody helped to create this unbelievable American system that we had that allowed you to thrive. Still, critics note the Internet began as a defense project. The economic impact was unforeseen, like the plastics and other inventions that grew out of our decision to go to the moon. And they suggest a fundamental ideological difference with Mr. Obama's thinking. Do the American people want cradle-to-grave government care, or do they want to control their own destinies? For the Obama camp, that's a false choice, but Romney's team contends coming down more on the side of government is why the economy hasn't produced more jobs. Brett? All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones situation report. So there you have it. Was Obama simply saying that, hey, you know what? You're doing a good job. You know, you're making money hand over fist. You're working real hard. And that's all good. But just remember that, well, you didn't actually build your own business. Somebody else did that. Somebody else built the bridges and the roads and the Internet. So that you can use them to get filthy rich. And I want my cut. I want more of your money because, quite frankly, you wouldn't be in business if it weren't for me and the government. If it wasn't for the government or some teacher or the roads, you wouldn't be in business. So, okay, it's either one way or the other, and they're both really bad. So, really, what President Obama did was unwittingly unwittingly uh, define himself as clueless about what business is all about. We're talking about a man who never has really had a real job outside the Baskin-Robbins he worked at in Hawaii as a very young man. Now, he did work in Baskin-Robbins for about six months, so he did have a job of sorts. But he's never had to actually build a business from scratch, have a lot of sleepless nights, work all night long. Let's, 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 let's talk about it for a minute. What does it take? Having done it a few times myself, let's take a stab at enlightening Mr. Obama, and those who unfortunately think like him, the process of building a business. First, you need to take a look at the marketplace and develop a skill, a service, a product, or an idea that people are willing to pay for. That takes some time. Some people obtain these by working for others, figuring out how to do what the company they're not working for does better, saving up some of their hard-earned money, Rolling the dice and stepping off into space without a safety net or a guaranteed paycheck. For example, when I started my business, I went to LegalZoom and I paid about $800 of my own money for the deluxe kit that did everything for me. Uh, the business license. I got this little stamp uh, thing for my business. They got they acquired the name for me that I wanted. You know, all of that. A lot of paperwork. The employee identification number. I got all of that. Okay, and they sent it to me. But that's still $800 out of my pocket for a business that I didn't even know was going to work. Then I spent money on advertising. And then I spent about... $3,000 for a website. Uh, hooked up with Vonage, 
Got my business phone numbers, put money out for that. I put out a ton of money. I'm not sure exactly how much in total, but a lot of money. And I had no idea that I was going to be able to, to attract enough customers, enough people who wanted my business. I mean, yeah, on paper. You know, I kind of figured it out and, you know, had a business plan and all that. But I didn't go to a bank and get a loan. I just used my own money to start my business, my first business, my first Internet business as a uh, as a researcher. And uh, so all the money was going out, but no money was coming in. That's how business, that's how you do it. Others uh, develop something over time as a part-time income until they feel they have enough business developed and enough of a reputation to go it alone or in partnership with someone else. No matter the case, it involves it, what, what business development involves is risking all of your assets in exchange for a shot at financial independence. And that's what we're really talking about here, financial independence. People deny themselves as they squirrel away capital, hit their credit cards, or borrow the money usually on their homes. Let's take, for example, one of my um, uh, an actor, a well-known actor who wanted to make a movie. Perhaps you'll get the hint of who this actor is. He didn't have enough capital to start to to. Uh, uh, to pay for the production cost of the movie and, and everything involved with it. So what he did was he didn't have a big stack of credit cards. He had pretty good credit. So what he did was he used all of his credit cards. He maxed every credit card he had, and he had about seven, eight, nine of them. And he produced the movie. He He wrote, directed, starred in. And produced the movie. He did everything from scratch with just the capital, the funds from his credit cards. He really put himself out on the limb. And as it turns out, Mr. Robert Townsend was a success with his first movie. And he wound up recouping all that money and being able to pay off his credit cards and get himself a nice house. And, you know, the rest is history. Robert Townsend did that. That's what I'm talking about here. But in the end, you always wonder whether or not you're doing the right thing. Because you've got family, and you've got all of this money going out. A lot of us have some woman looking over our shoulder, wondering, what you, what are you doing with all that money? You know? What's going on? <laughs> Thank God I did not have that problem. It's one of life's solemn and sometimes very scary moments. When someone pushes a loan application or an equipment or office lease at you and you're wondering if you're going to end up being a failure. You always wonder in the beginning whether you did the right thing. If the business is so successful, if the business is to be successful, you work long, hard hours with no guarantee that anything will come of it. For example, I've seen stores in my neighborhood come and go. 
and just come and go. There have been shops, bakeries here in Old Town, uh, restaurants. Uh, one of my favorite cleaners was there one year and, and gone the next. One of my favorite restaurants where I would go and get crab and lobster, um, you know, and uh, and stuff. Uh, you know, it was a pretty cool little 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 restaurant right over on King Street, right next to the Hilton there. I mean, I love that place. I noticed that there were a few customers in whenever I would go in, but the people were very friendly, and the food was great. But for some reason, they didn't make it. I was pretty bummed out about it, because then I had to go all the way down to the wharf, you know, the fish market, up in D.C. to get my goods. But see, that's how it works. You try, and sometimes you fail, and then sometimes you hit it big. But in the beginning, unless you start out with a boatload of money, you do everything And if you screw up, it comes out of your pocket. No one else is like I did. Aside from the actual day-to-day work that your business entails, you do the books like I did. You keep the records and pay the fees the government requires. You answer the phones. You make the decisions on advertising and marketing. You chase down new business. You deal with vendors. You do the ordering, the artwork. You deal with sales reps seeking to sell you things you usually don't need. You pay the bills. You you sweep up. You do everything. In exchange for these fun-filled 15 to 18-hour workdays, you might make a profit after a few months and be able to start paying your bills out of the proceeds. If you do all these things well, your business is one of the minorities that survive its first year. And you've made enough money to expand a bit you may be able to hire employees at that point. Yes. At that point, you actually might need to supervise and direct others aside from yourself, make the right hiring decisions, and ideally you begin to make more money as you put a business team together. Make the wrong one, and aside from losing money, well, even coming into work can be hell. Aside from taking on a new job, like payroll accounting, paying the taxes, paying the workers' compensation insurance, and filling the numerous reports and paperwork government requires, you also take on the job of human resources, head and compliant department. Some of your employees will be a joy to work with, and it will be a pleasure to reward them appropriately. Others will simply have you shaking your head in disgust. But unless you want to be a commissar like Barack Obama who resents you deep down because you had the courage and ability to do something he could never do in a thousand years. The only way a Barack Obama can get what you have is to take it, to steal it, which is exactly what he's telling people when he says that you didn't do this on your own. When he says that you didn't do this on your own, That you didn't do that. Somebody else did. He's basically saying, give me your money. His stash. As Stay Mad Radio Set puts it. (laughs) That's the only way. It's just that simple. What Barack Obama is saying is that I want more from you because it's not yours. 
you didn't do this on your own. And you know what? I represent the government, and I'm going to take what's yours. Because without this great country, you wouldn't be where you are today, and you owe it to me, Barack Hussein Obama. You owe it to me. Now, Romney got booed at the NAACP recently, and the liberal media celebrated, and my man from Zoe Nation, Zoe himself, has something to say about it. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to have Zoe tell us all about this give me something for nothing mentality that the black folks at the NAACP were apparently um, engorged in. And then we'll come right back and we'll talk about some other things. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Feel free to call in. If you own a business or are thinking of starting a business, wow. All right. We'll be right back. Why are gas prices going higher and higher? Ask George Bush's best friend, Big Oil. Big Oil kept U.S. oil reserves in Anwar off limits by paying off the caribou lobby. And who conspired to keep new refineries from being built in the U.S.? Big Oil. And why is Ted Kennedy opposing windmills in Nantucket Sound? Big Oil. And who, in 1979, along with the Cardigan Sweater Cartel, made sure that Iran would always be run by unstable lunatics? Big Oil. Big Oil did all this to make unbelievable profits of nine cents per gallon. So get angry at George Bush and Big Oil and ignore anything the Democrats have ever done to get us in this mess. Paid for by George Soros and other futures trading friends of Hillary Rodham Clinton. People come to Internet Radio for any number of reasons. Among the reasons are perhaps they're tired of the pasteurized, homogenized news that they get from their TV. Or some may want their talk radio a little more raw. Well, that's what you get with Internet Talk Radio. Real people with real opinions that give you real conversation. It's not just daddy's talk radio. And it's for people who stay informed and a great way to share ideas and debate issues. Well, let's just say that Internet Talk Radio hosts don't sit in front of the makeup mirror before they go on the air. Internet Talk Radio is a fast-growing new media that allows folks to get around the dinosaur media. We are America United. This is a network of patriotic radio hosts bringing you honest discussion and discourse that will keep you riveted all day. Check out radio.waaumedia.com. We have to stop spending over a trillion dollars more than we take in every year. And so, and so to do that, I'm going to eliminate every non-essential, expensive program I can find. That includes Obamacare, and I'm going to work to reform and save 
I guess Ronnie forgot to rub the tree stump before walking out to address the NAACP and got booed for what the Afrocentrists claim to love so much. Keeping it real. I think it's what's happening. white Mitt Romney, who gels his hair with money juice, goes to address the NAACP. He got booed for telling him he was going to take something away from him. Their bottle. Everybody knew that Romney was going to get booed for something. And I can guarantee you that Obama would catch some boos too if he were to speak at an NRA meeting. So Romney getting booed isn't news to me. It's the liberal media being dependent on sensationalizing division while preaching tolerance, suckers. Celebrate diversity. No, you mean celebrate divisiveness. Hey, ratings! Here's the thing that I would think needs to be news, which isn't new, but it really needs to be drummed. And that's the dependency mindset that is far too prominent in the black community. The song that is on the mind of too many in the black community is, what are you going to do for black folks? I'm a strong black man. I'm a strong black woman. But we can't do anything without the government's help. We need a government we can live off of. If you're going to send a white man, send us a white man who's going to promise to take care of us because we're too feeble-minded to pursue our own happiness. We want that white dude. Don't send us a white man who's going to talk to us about entrepreneurship and savings accounts and whatnot. Black people can barely find a way to get back and forth from work, if I may borrow the sentiments of Charlotte Stalker Manning from the NAACP. However, I'm very sure that every black person at that NAACP address had means of transportation. But for some reason... Too many in the black community have this fetish for being told that they're stupid and victims. They fool themselves with the idea of black power, but don't actually want to be empowered. They want to talk about it, but they don't want to walk about it, but rather want to be enabled to be victorious victims. And their victories are defined by what they can get for free, or rather at the expense of someone else. True victory is what you earn not given what was taken from someone else who earned theirs. But people like Charlotte who lead the black community are dependent on keeping this mindset impressed upon the black community. People like her are operatives of the Democrat Party to keep them as loyal voters stock. This dependency victim mentality is not inherent in the Kushite ethnicity. If it were, I'd share that mindset. So would Alan West, Clarence Thomas, Alan Keyes, Janine Borelli, Kira Davis, Thomas Sowell, and many others like us that the Democrats do not want there to be more of. I'm Alfonso Rachel with Zone Nation, where we know that it's better in the long run to do for yourself than to try to make others do for you. And the best way you can do that is to do for others. And doing for others doesn't mean whining and forcing others to do for others. You get out there and do something for somebody yourself. I'm a strong black man. All right, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Is it is it any more plain? Is it any more plainer than that? Coming to you hold on, lyrics hold on. The internet. PJ TV if you like the video you just on. saw, you oh, can see all of Andrew's By the way, let me go ahead and take some advertise, get some advertisement out of the way. PJ TV, PJ Media, where you can find Andrew Clavin. Uh, Bill Whittle, uh, Alfonso Rochelle, which you just heard, Scott Ott, Stephen Green, Glenn Reynolds, uh, Stephen Kusher, Andrew Clavin, of course, I just said his name. It is really cool. It picks up where Breitbart TV leaves off. I, I highly recommend it. 
You can find a lot of good uh, uh, information here as well as some really cool video clips such as uh, an audio clip such as what I just played there from Alfonso Rochelle. Check it out. You'll love it. Um, but back to where, where I was going with this. You know, I think what happens in terms of uh, the NWCP and black people wanting something for nothing or wanting something at the expense of someone else is this victim mentality. You know, I grew up um, in a neighborhood that was predominantly black for a long time until we we were um, we moved uh, into a more diverse uh, diverse neighborhood. But uh, there was always this uh, this idea that you know the white man is keeping us down. You know, and the reason why. We have a, such a high dropout rate in some of our schools is because we're not getting enough money. Never mind that a great many of us who attended these high schools wound up, uh, well, uh, went on to go to college and have great careers. A lot of my classmates are doing very, very well right now. Um, despite the fact that we didn't have enough money or our school books were outdated and all that, we had what was called a, a zest, a lust for life, which was sort of implanted in us by our parents. And I think I might have mentioned uh, in a couple of other shows recently that, you know, when I was a kid, we'd sit down and we'd watch Dynasty. We'd watch um, Dallas, you know, shows like that. The Colbys, which is a spinoff of Dallas. Nuts Landing. You know, all those shows were people were living, you know, fairly well. And every once in a while, my mom would walk by as we're watching these shows, not fully understanding what's going on, but we see a lot of people dressing real nice, driving really nice cars, and working in fancy offices and wearing suits. And my mom would say, you can have that. You can have all of that. You can do that. All you have to do is keep doing your homework, you know, learn in school, pay attention, and all of that can be yours. And I believe my mom when she said that. I believe my dad when he said that. And so I watched these shows, and I enjoyed them. I said, one day I'm going to have some of that. One day I'm going to be like J.R. Ewing. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I had my J.R. great bit. <laughs> but I thought I could be him. I never wanted to be Bobby. But I always wanted to be J.R. Maybe there's just something weird about that, but something we can get into at another time. But a lot of my classmates, a lot of my contemporaries around that time were sitting in front of their televisions and they were hearing something a little different. I don't know why you're watching them white people, all those rich white people. They they ain't they ain't never done you no good. They ain't never gonna do nothing for you. They ain't gonna do nothing for you. George Bush don't care about black people. Oh no, that's something more recent. But I think you get the idea. This victim mentality where we're told we ain't no damn good. And the reason why we ain't no damn good and ain't never going to be no damn good is because Whitey is keeping a brother down. 
And a lot of folks, even to this very day, even some successful black folks think that their success was just whitey, throwing them a bone. It was just a white man throwing them a bone. You know, they really didn't earn it. They really didn't work hard to get to where they were going and drive the fancy cars, live well. It was the white man who was just nice enough to let them pass through an interview, give them a job, pay them a decent salary. Not because they're smart. See, black folks have a victim mentality. They believe that the government owes them a living, owes them health care. A very well-known member of the Congressional Black Caucus recently said that health care is a right. Who provides health care? Actual people. So basically, this Congressional Black Caucus member is saying that it is your right to have the labor, to 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 consume the labor of someone else, someone someone else's labor. For example, if I'm a nurse and I go to nursing school, well, let's just say I get a grant from the government to go to nursing school, and I become a pretty good nurse, and I'm doing my job, and someone comes in with a uh, a bunion. And I don't feel like treating that bunion. It's I'm. It's time for me to go home. My shift is over. That person says, I have a right. Says to you, I have a right to have my bunion removed. And because you have the skill to remove that bunion, you have no choice but to remove my bunion. Because I have a right to that. And you just happen to be here, Mr. Nurse. And you, you will remove my bunion. Isn't that a form of slavery? Seeing that they, a person has the right to health care? Health care is not a thing. It's not an idea. It's an actual person who actually performs those jobs. So basically you have a Congressional Black Caucus member who marched in Selma who marched in Montgomery with Dr. King saying that if you're a healthcare provider, you're pretty much a slave to anybody who needs your services because apparently that person has a right to your service. A little bit of irony there. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I think that this this noble experiment in the United States of America, this great country, that I sometimes think that it's probably time. Maybe we've come to the point where we're at our end after less than 500 years. You know, the Roman Empire lasted a lot longer. The British Empire still thriving, although 
somewhat uh, depleted. But America, once, once known as the greatest and most powerful country on earth, is dying. Is dying. In less than 500 years, in less than a fraction of the time the Roman Empire existed. We're dying. We are going the way of the Roman Empire, but like, what? 1,500 years <laughs> too soon? This country is is in disaster mode. And only a few people are really listening. I'm afraid for this country right now, folks. I really am. The mess that Obama has made in the three and a half years he's been president is astronomical. The damage he's done, the stupid things that he's done, and this latest moronic insult to the business community, all of it. And yet, in many places across this country, people still love this guy. The poll numbers show recently that Obama and Romney are in a dead heat. Imagine that. Think about that for a minute. Romney and Obama are in a dead heat right now, and this guy has made stupid mistake after stupid mistake after stupid, stupid, stupid mistake. He has brought this country virtually to its knees, and he's still very popular. Folks, aren't you concerned for this country? Remember when we were proud? We were a proud people, a proud country. When Ronald Reagan was president, hell, even when Bill Clinton was president, damn it. You were proud to be an American. I know I am. I still am. But I so get the impression at this time that we are pretty much on the edge of being irrelevant. I have all, you know, ever since I was old enough to understand history and become somewhat, uh, you know, a history buff, and then in school study the great empires of the world and how they were here for a while, and poof, they're gone. And the decline was very slow, methodical, very steady. It was as if these great empires didn't even, they didn't really realize what was happening to them until it was too late. Folks, I think we're at that point right now where we're not even fully realizing that our country 
is falling apart around us. Imagine Americans wanting something for nothing or wanting something that somebody else has. I know it's not a new concept. It isn't. But it's gotten worse. I'm reminded that my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather, they didn't even want credit. My father had one credit card, one. And that was a an American Express card. And years before that, he had one other card before he got the American Express. And that was just a shell gas card. My father. Because my father didn't want to owe anyone. He didn't want to be beholden to anyone. My grandfather, he dealt in cash. He didn't even put money in the banks. He kept the money literally in shoeboxes. Scattered all over the house. True story. He didn't want to deal with banks. He didn't want to owe anybody. And everything he bought was in cash. From his cars to the house he lived in. Everything. He didn't want to owe anybody. He didn't want anybody owing him. He wouldn't take credit or charity from anybody. He worked for everything he got. What happened to those guys? What happened to those men who didn't want something for nothing, who refused, whose honor and integrity demanded demanded that they not be beholden to the government or anybody else? America... We've fallen off. We have fallen off. And you know what? Sending this moronic idiot, Barack Hussein Obama, back to Chicago or Nairobi or Mars or wherever the hell he's from. Sending his dumb ass packing will be just the start of getting this country back on track. We need leaders in the White House, in the Senate, and in the Congress who are going to say, enough. Enough. No more entitlements. No more free rides. No more something for nothing. Everybody pays their fair share. But everybody, everybody, Not those of us who create the wealth, not just us, but everybody pays their fair share. Because asking me to give up my hard-earned jack for somebody who's not making any to them is just plain wrong. Southern Sense writes in the chat room, in God we trust, all others pay cash. Gene Shepard. Obama ate dog meat. What an a-hole. Hmm. No doubt. Well, folks, we're going to end another great 
another episode of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report, but we'll be back tomorrow. we got a lot more to talk about on this subject because it's not going away. It's not going away. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to end the show with if I wanted America to fail. That's how we're going to end tonight. Because I'm serious, guys. If you want us to go the way of the Roman Empire, Egypt, all the great countries that are simply irrelevant, if you want us to be that way, you hate this country enough, you despise this country enough, that you want to see us to irrelevant, then vote for Obama again in November. Because he'll make it so, baby. Well, we have just enough time to end the show with If I Wanted America to Fail. I want to wish all of you a great night tonight and a great day tomorrow. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. Tune in tomorrow. Hey, tune in tonight to uh, all my guys who have shows tonight. I don't know. 2020 didn't do a show last night. Maybe he's got something going on tonight. Check him out. Or, of course, of course, GDT 183, conservative primetime. Southern Sense had a show on Friday. I know I'll be there then, 2 o'clock, 2 p.m., Southern Sense, Andy the Radio Chick with Cool Mike. God bless you, folks. Good night. We're out. Fail. To follow, not lead. To suffer, not prosper. To despair, not dream. I'd start with energy. I'd cut off America's supply of cheap, abundant energy. I couldn't take it by force. So I'd make Americans feel guilty about using the energy that heats their homes, fuels their cars, runs their businesses, and powers their economy. I'd make cheap energy expensive, so that expensive energy would seem cheap. I would empower unelected bureaucrats to all but outlaw America's most... After banning its use in America, I'd make it illegal for American companies to ship it overseas. If I wanted America to fail, I'd use their schools to teach one generation of Americans that their factories and their cars will cause a new ice age. And I'd muster a straight face so I could teach the next generation that they're causing global warming. When it's cold out, I call it climate change instead. I'd imply that America's cities and factories I teach children how to ignore the hypocrisy of condemning logging, mining, and farming while having roofs over their heads, heat in their homes, and food on their tables. I would never teach children that the market the only force in human history to uplift the poor, establish the middle class, and create lasting prosperity. Instead, I demonize prosperity itself so that they will not miss what they will never have. If I wanted America to I would create countless new regulations and seldom cancel old ones. That would be so complicated that only bureaucrats, lawyers, and lobbyists could understand them. That way, small businesses with big ideas wouldn't stand a chance. And I would never have to worry about another Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, or... I would ridicule as flat earthers those who urge them to lower energy costs by increasing supply. And when the evangelists of common sense try to remind people about the laws of supply and demand, 
itemless to sympathetic media to drown them out. If I wanted America to fail, I would empower unaccountable bureaucracies seated in a distant capital to bully Americans out of their dreams and their property rights. I'd send federal agents to raid guitar factories for using the wrong kind of wood. I'd force homeowners to tear down their own homes built on their own land. I'd make it almost impossible for farmers, miners to mine, loggers to log, and builders to build. Because if I don't believe in free markets, I'd invent false ones. I'd devise fictitious products like carbon credits and trade them in imaginary markets. I'd convince people that this would create jobs and be good for the economy. If I wanted America to fail, for every concern I'd invent a crisis, and for every crisis I'd invent a cause, like shutting down entire industries and killing tens of thousands of jobs in the name of saving spotted owls. And when everyone learned the stunning irony, that the owls were victims of their larger cousins and not people. It would already be decades too late. If I wanted America to fail, I'd make it easier to stop commerce than to start it, easier to kill jobs than create them, more fashionable to invent success than to seek it. When industries seek to create jobs, I'd file lawsuits to stop them, and then I'd make taxpayers pay for my lawyers. If I wanted America to fail, I would transform the environmental agenda from a document of conservation to an economic suicide pact. I would concede entire industries to our economic rivals by imposing regulations that cost trillions. I would celebrate those who preach environmental austerity in public while indulging a lavish lifestyle in private. I convince Americans that Europe has it right and that America has it wrong. If I wanted America to fail, I would pray for the goodness and the decency of ordinary Americans. I would only need to convince them that all of this is for the greater good. If I wanted America to fail, I, I suppose I wouldn't change a thing.